Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in scripture. Today, uh, we're going to be doing uh, another podcast on soteriology. Uh, if you have not uh, listened to our Soat One podcast, I encourage you to do that. We recorded that a little while ago. Today, we are doing Soteriology 2. And for those, maybe this is your first time listening or you're new to the podcast, Soteriology is simply the study of salvation. In that first podcast, we covered things like the never controversial topic, predestination, gospel call, regeneration. So if it, when we say the term salvation, kind of that order of salvation, think of, think of Romans 8, from God's predestining love to glorification, today we're going to tackle kind of those doctrines in the middle and toward the end of that order of salvation. And those would be justification, adoption, the perseverance of the saints, sanctification, and then glorification. So not that we're going to, this is a shorter podcast, not that we're going to cover all of those in this, uh, the next 20 to 30 minutes or so, but we are going to try to tackle a few. And uh, so with that, let's start with the, the doctrine of justification. Uh, Martin Luther famously said that justification is the article in which the church rises or falls. Obviously, justification was uh, at the heart of the Reformation, and yet it's still important for us today. And so I'll kick this to you guys. The doctrine of justification, why is it important today for obviously all believers, but especially for a light bearer student aged 18 to 25, why is the doctrine of justification? Why does it matter? Why is it important? You know, when thinking of justification, that's only part of the equation of salvation, right? Right, right. This idea of justification, right, that root word of just, well, we're not just people. Right. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we reconcile that we're not just people, yet we can say we're justified? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. So as we think of that, like the scripture is going to say through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, classic, right. right? But I think as a habit, even as younger Christians, younger believers, we like to almost mix different things of salvation, like sanctification mm-hmm. with our justification, and we base one off of the other, and that's just not how it is. So it's important to even root your identity in the fact that through faith, God has justly declared you righteous before him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah I think that's, I think that's so good because it's the, the importance as you were asking of understanding justification is understanding more of who Christ is um, because we're not, we're not made uh, righteous through justification, right? We're declared righteous right. because of Christ's Christ. righteousness. Uh, and so the more we understand about justification, the more we understand about the savior who came to die for us. Amen. That allows us to accept mm-hmm. that from him and, and be transformed. Big. Oh, that's, yeah. That's huge. And, I mean, in uh, scripturally, we are justified by works, the works of Jesus, not our own. Right. And, and that's big too, right? Of, of, I mean, Christ is just. How do you, how does a uh, just God who is just and righteous uh, forgive the sins uh, of those who don't? Well, the answer is Christ, right? Christ, the, 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 the death of Christ being that propitiation on the cross. He is the just and scripture says the justifier. And so that's big. And so I'll I'll just to define the terms here a little bit. This is a Wayne Grudem definition of justification. Obviously you guys are reading the the textbook right now, but it's a, it's a good definition for a couple of reasons. We'll we'll unpack it a little bit, Uh, but, but here's the, the, um, the Wayne Grudem definition. It is an instantaneous 
and that's important, mm-hmm. uh, an instantaneous legal act of God in which he, uh, and there's, there's two things here. One thinks of our sins as forgiven. And then decla- number two declares us to be righteous in his sight. And so a, a couple things there that, that are important. One, uh, it is an instantaneous act. And so uh, things like uh, adoption, uh, regeneration, right? Where these are instantaneous. And yet there's other things, which I know we talked about in, in the office yesterday as a staff. There's other things in salvation that aren't necessarily instantaneous, things like sanctification. So, and, 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 and we'll talk about that here in a second, but sanctification in one instance is it's an instantaneous declaration, but it is progressive. It is lifelong, whereas justification is not. You are not like Mason Wayne Plunk right now is not like 75% justified. And, you know, 10 years down the road, it will be 90%. No, when we place faith, as you were saying, place faith in Christ, you are justified. The gavel goes down. You are justified. And, and that's two things, right? And we've kind of talked about this. That's one. It is the, the forgiveness of sins. Praise God. That's, mm-hmm. that's huge. And I think from a, it's important that we understand this from, a, you know, students. I think we rightly, and we should, uh, focus on that, hey, my sins are forgiven, right? I think of the, who's the old, I don't know the guy who said this, some old dead guy, but it's the, uh, uh, that's, yeah, so many, a lot, of, a lot of those that, that we like to quote. Uh, but he says, may well the accuser roar of sins that I have done. I know them all in a thousand more. Mm-hmm. Jehovah knoweth none. That's an aspect, praise God, of justification. Our sins are forgiven. They're wiped clean. Our slate is clean. And yet, there's more to justification than just that, because if right. th- that's good news, that's true. But if that's the case, we still have a little bit of a problem in that we're just kind of morally neutral. So it's, it's not just that we're forgiven. It's that Christ then also imputes his righteousness into our account. So we are not mm-hmm. just uh, sinless, but we are righteous and not earned by our own works, but the work of Christ. Christ imputes that. So it's huge. It's massive yeah. for students to understand that they are saved by works, not their own, but the work of Christ. And so it's, it's huge. It's huge. Um, yeah. Any, you guys added that? Any other comments? Yeah. I think there's a, there's a piece of justification that's so important for us to touch on. And that's the fact that in that instantaneous moment of being justified with Christ, um, that seals our, um, our inheritance with him, right? It talks about that in Ephesians 1. In him, you also heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. That's the justification piece, right? You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance mm. until we acquire possession of it. And it's so important to know that about justification, because that is what gives us that solidified, unwavering, like this is what has been given to us that seals us for that day. Uh, in which Christ would return and bring us home. Yes. So, and that's good of, of so much of when we talk about this order of salvation, right? Things like re- when you were regenerated, you were dead. Now you are alive in Christ instantaneous, right? Again, you're not like 50% dead. And then, you know, you, right. then you're, you know, you're, you're, you're alive in Christ. You were regenerated instantaneous, the same with justification. And so, you know, the, the Lord uh, forgives our sin, gives us his righteousness. And as you're saying, Ephesians 1 gives us the Holy Spirit guaranteeing our inheritance. And obviously it's, we'll get into uh, sanctification here in a second, but the Holy Spirit, the indwelt Holy Spirit uh, changing us, convicting us, 
bringing us, as Paul talks about, from one degree of glory to the other, mm-hmm. m- making us more into the image of the man of heaven. That's obviously that's glorification in its totality. But that's big. Yeah. The indwelt Holy Spirit is given instantaneous that we have the Holy Spirit sealed, guaranteeing our inheritance. That's huge. And we can't we can't lose it. Praise God. That's right. Kind of on that same note, Brett, what what do you think you'd say to the student that maybe questions whether he has the Holy, he or she has the Holy Spirit? How, what would be a good indicator for them to ex- even experience the Holy Spirit to know that they have that certainty? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, and I'm just thinking of, of what Paul talks about in Romans, right? That, that indwelt Holy Spirit that testifies that you cry out with the Spirit, Abba, Father, right? So mm-hmm. obviously we're talking about adoption, that the Spirit testifies. But obviously, like the, the, there's, uh, if this Holy Spirit is indwelling in you, uh, there's a change in desire. Right. You, you, you know, you were dead. You are now alive. Your desires will be more toward the things of the Lord and uh, you will have a growing hatred for sin. And I think that's hard probably for students. And we'll it's a, even Mason, a great transition as we talk about sanctification. Um, but in some some instances, it's like an instantaneous and, and you can tell like, they are a different person. And sometimes, you know, they place faith in Christ and a little bit here, a little bit here in, in six months, a year, two years, they're a different person. You see this. I think that's also one of the beauties of the local church as well, right? That you, you taking advantage of the, the means of grace of, and you're being discipled, uh, you're being cared for, you're being discipled in the faith. And the Lord has determined in his providence that these things, once the Holy Spirit is in us, it's even the local church that, that can encourage and say, hey, I've seen growth in you. Uh, or mentors or friends to say, hey, you're different. You've changed. I've seen some growth in you. Mm-hmm. Praise God for that testimony. I mean, I even think back. My wife and I, I think it was our year one or two of marriage. And I, I don't know if I've shared this on a podcast. So if I have, you're getting this twice. Um, but I remember we were sitting on a couch. It was like 2014. So many moons ago. And my wife just kind of, what, what were you saying? Right. We we're talking about when Facebook first came out. What were you saying in 2006 on Facebook? Well, I was a chump. You guys I mean, know my story. I was like, oh, gosh, can we not see what I was saying. And we looked back, right? My wife did. And she was floored a little, like, you said that? And the great thing was I looked back and said, oh, I can't believe I said that because I'm a different person. My desires have changed. My, uh, uh, my passions, what I find funny, what I find laughable. I was appalled. Like, who is that chump? Well, that was me until the Lord saved me and gave me his Holy Spirit to transform me and sanctify me. And so... Uh, and that was a, a little mercy just to look, I mean, for, you know, Facebook, I guess social media can be good, right? Yeah. I can look back and see. Yeah. And I also, by the way, spent like the next 30 minutes, like going back, like delete that, delete that, delete that. <laughs> uh, but it was just a mercy, but to, to see over time that progressive work uh, that the Lord had done. And so, yeah, I mean, what would you say, Mason? That's a great question. Riley, same with you. Yeah, I, I think that's a great story. I actually thought about that similar concept earlier today in which the, if, if because sanctification is a process and we're, we're going to get into that, but because it's a process, like if you're, if you're questioning whether like the Holy spirit is in you, you're growing or whatnot, it's a benefit to look further back. I think so often we look like, what, what, what did I look like yesterday? Like today I'm worse off than yesterday or mm. last week. And it's like, that's not going to give you a good indicator of how the Holy Spirit has worked in your life if you're just looking over the last couple of days, because this is a lifelong process that we're walking through in sanctification. 
yet, but when we look back on years of that sanctification, we're like, oh my gosh, yeah, like, of course. And so I would encourage a student who's questioning that, look back further, look back to before you were justified, right, in Christ uh, and see the work that he's done and be reminded of that and be encouraged in that too, in the hope that the season that you're in is is producing um, this growth and the sanctification that 10 years from now, you're going to look back on and be like, whoa, like I changed so much during that time. That's good. I mean, oh, go ahead, Mace. Yeah, I just, just add what you said with the local church is critical. Just surround yourself with other believers who can see that they're going to have a better gauge of that than you are. Mm-hmm, that's good. They're going to be better critic. They're going to call you out for sin better. And they're going to encourage you more rightly according to the word and what they're seeing than you are. Yeah. I mean, I even think, I mean, we talk about sanctification and, and maybe confirming, right? You know, s- scripture uh, does mention at times to, hey, make your calling and election sure, right? And so I'm obviously thinking of the, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, right? Are you becoming more loving, joyful, uh, peaceable, patient, kind? Mm-hmm. Are you growing in those fruits of the Spirit? And, and Paul is so great to give, right? The works of the flesh are evident, and here's the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, so w- w- what is work of the Spirit? W- what is kind of the, the fruits of the flesh? We're even thinking, I think it's maybe it's Second Peter chapter one, when he says that that hey, if, if you're growing in brotherly affection, in knowledge, and in these things, he says, hey, if these are yours and increasing, uh, it's supposed to be a confidence. Hey, that, that you're, you're the Holy Spirit's doing a work. You, I mean, I think he says that you would never fail. You can never fail. Uh, it's this confirming your calling and election, right? To test ourselves, and that's a good thing. And, and, and that's written even when Paul or Peter are writing these things to encourage the saints, not necessarily to discourage them. And we'll, we'll talk about this concept of perseverance of the saints here in a second. But so let's think of sanctification a little bit, right? Obviously, it's it's progressive. The the definition, and I know we've talked about this on a previous podcast. Which uh, please look that out. I believe it's sanctification one. You can uh, find that that we've recorded. But the the definition given, what was uh, that that it is an instantaneous declaration of holiness. So thinking of the Corinthian church, they were an absolute mess. <laughs> and yet Paul would say to this, those sanctified in Corinth. And so they are declared holy because of what Christ has done. And yet clearly, if you read the book, like these guys are a mess. Uh, they are not that holy or not that sanctified. And yet praise God, the Holy Spirit guaranteeing our inheritance is carrying us along and transforming us into the image of Christ that is convicting us of sin. And so it is progressive. It is a lifelong process. And to your point, Riley, um, that's encouraging to know that, 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 hey, sanctification is a lifelong process. We do have seasons. Uh, we do have seasons maybe where it's dry or, uh, I mean, Scripture's full of, of godly men and women who, who fall in, in sin and and yet uh, they don't stay there, right? I mean, that's kind of this perseverance of the saints. Those who persevere to the end will be saved. Uh, that's the mark of a believer. Are you persevering in the faith? Are you holding fast to that? Now, we slip up, we sin, but what do we do with that? Do we, do we repent? Do we confess? And do we uh, strive, keep going toward Christ? Or do we relish and chase after the things of the world? Uh, and, and even thinking of things like... Uh, um, a guy like Demas, who is written about in scripture that Paul's like, hey, he's a fellow worker, he's helpful. And then toward the end of Paul's life, he says, hey, Demas has left. He's abandoned. He's chased after the things of the world. He did not persevere. It is, it's evidence they went out for us because they were not of us, uh, that there are those who look the part, uh, might appear to have some fruit. And yet, really, the confirmation of ultimately 
the indwelt Holy Spirit is growing in fruit to the Spirit, but are you persevering in the faith? And so obviously the, those are linked a little bit, but uh, think of think of light bearer students, and, and this can be right. You, you hear the term perseverance of the saints, uh, or uh, maybe if you're uh, in certain church circles, this concept of once saved, always saved. And we don't have the time maybe to dissect even maybe the nuances of those a little bit and how they're not maybe completely the same. But this concept of perseverance of the saints can be controversial, right? Some people uh, it can be of, offensive and, and to, to some. Um, but why should, and, and this is the question to you guys, why should the doctrine of perseverance of the saints be a comfort to us? So thinking of an 18 to 25 year old, why should that doctrine or how does that doctrine comfort us in the faith? Yeah, I, I think it's comforting to know we can look at salvation wrongly, wrongly. We can almost view it as if God's dangling this gift overhead that we can't reach mm-hmm. and we got to keep striving. And that's what persevering is. In all reality, it goes even back to justification. God's declared us right. We're really just patiently waiting for what God's already accomplished. Yeah, that's really good. That's that's something like that has been really comforting for me in a, in a season where I can get so caught up in in what I'm doing and and what I'm if I'm not doing enough. Um, but it, it brings me back to Hebrews 12, where it says, you know, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Mm. And it's like, what what is that joy? Like it's it's my it's my salvation. It's my forgiveness, like him forgiving my sins. Um, and there is such a beautiful picture. Like there's, we learn humility, um, by every day, like going before the feet of Jesus and offering our sins that he already died for and already paid for and receiving that grace from him and mercy from him over and over again through our lives and it keeps our eyes fixed on him rather than this broken world that so desperately wants our attention. Um, but that that progression of of continually failing before the Lord and having to offer that to him and accept his his grace that he's already done for us, already given for us, it gives us that comfort of there's nothing we can do like failure wise that is is too much for, he's, he's for him. You. He's already got that, and he's he's bringing us through it and. And our sufferings and our failures are keeping us fixated on him. And like, that's what's important about the perseverance of the saints is our struggles keep us dependent on him. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it was Kevin who, who uh, quoted, this is a long time ago at, at an institute. But he said that true rest, true Sabbath is resting on the promises of God. Mm. And this is the, the beauty of the word of God. This is the beauty of scripture in that, how do we know we're going to persevere those who are in Christ? Because the Bible says we are, right? And, and so looking at Romans 8, that, that line of salvation, those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. There is no aspect of that salvation from eternity past to eternity future to what is going to come in glorification that is threatened. Mm-hmm. And, and th- this concept of that we can maybe focus too much on, on uh us or our own striving as opposed to resting in what Christ has said and done. I mean, I think of Philippians one, six, the he who began a good work will carry it on to completion that my persevering is not me holding on to a, a bar and white knuckling it and just hope you hang on. My salvation isn't dependent upon me and my grip. It's as, as Christ would say that no one snatches you from my father's hand. That's the comfort, not how strong my grip is, but how strong his is. 
That's the persevering. And honestly, if it were up to us, uh, uh, I mean, we, we would have left, but praise God, we are prone to wander. And yet the Lord has, has tethered us. He has determined that the good work he started, he will complete. Praise yeah. God, the perseverance, that's a comfort to us. And so, you know, that I, I mentioned this to you guys before, but, but even if, if you're listening to this podcast or you're like, Hey, you know, am I in the faith? You know, I, I don't know. I'm a newer believer. Scripture's clear. I think we, we should test ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Are we growing in the fruits of the spirit? Uh, second Peter chapter one is a good one as well. But so, so often that the, you know, if you walk the aisle, if you said the prayer, uh, you know, if you want to figure out if you're a believer, you don't, or I've used the analogy of if you want to see if somebody's alive, you don't check their birth certificate, check their pulse. What's your confession now? What are you doing now? And and that's mark of of hopefully the Holy Spirit's uh, indwelt guaranteeing in you to continue that work. And so uh, it, it is good. It is good for us to evaluate to see where we are in the faith. Uh, the Lord uses that, but ultimately this doctrine should be and was used. Paul's using it as a comfort to comfort believers. Uh, in the audience he's, he's writing to. Uh, and in some ways, look, if, if we're living in sin, if we're doing things contrary to the Lord, that should scare us. It should scare us back to him, right? That, that, that there's a comfort and a safety in Christ. Uh, and so uh, anyway, uh, it, it is helpful. It is comforting the doctrine of perseverance. So let's just, just for the sake of time, I know we could, I mean, dissect this a lot longer uh, and we probably will on the car ride, all of us uh, <laughs> as we go back from here. But uh, so think of, some of the things we've covered out of all of the theological um, aspects of so too. So out of all these soteriological doctrines, is there one, whether in your conversations with friends, with family, or, or maybe even with a light bear student that, that you would say, Hey, I, this one's, there's some, a lot of misunderstanding really tied to this one. So out, out of justification, adoption, sanctification, perseverance of the saints, glorification, it's a mouthful. Um, is there one that is maybe more misunderstood or that you would say in your own opinion that, yeah, I think this is misunderstood a little. Yeah. I think we've, we've touched on it a bunch, but from, from what I've walked through with students and with friends, I think that there's a misunderstanding of um, the, the difference between justification and, and sanctification. And I think that they get meshed as one a lot. And, and we think, and we, we choose to believe that when we come to know Jesus, right. And, now uh, we are justified that we are going to be instantly um, different in the sense that like perfect, like not going to make a mistake again. And that's just, that's not right. Uh, you know, like we have to remember that justification is a one time instantaneous thing, but sanctification lasts a lifetime and it looks different in different seasons. And it can be uh, a lot more in one season and a lot less in one season. But as we're growing and changing and Christ is molding us and teaching us um, as we're moving forward in our faith. Like that's what sanctification is. It's not this instantly. I'm a different person. I'll never sin again. I'll never, you know, deal with these sins again. Uh, the reality is we're broken and we're in desperate need of a savior and sanctification is what brings us to that. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. I, w- I would just say too, along those, even those same lines, I think that works in the glorification too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I th- I think we we naturally like to cut corners. I don't think we wake up sometimes. And we don't say this, but we we believe it and we act this way. Like today is the day I'm going to be glorified, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to have to endure, and I'm not going to have to wait patiently. But in all reality, that's what's doing the work. The Spirit is using us. You even used the 
analogy at one time, Brad, of this constant steady heat that is what refines us and strengthens us. And so I think oftentimes we mix sanctification and glorification, just like we mix sanctification and justification. And and that can even lead us into like some despair and some discouragement when we're not where where we want to be. Yeah. I mean, there's, and, and there are, there are entire denominations that, that would, um, adhere to this idea of, of perfectionism, right. Of that, that you can be totally sinless this side of heaven. And yet it's the already, but not yet. Right. Are we justified? Yes. Are we righteous? Yes. Uh, do we struggle with sin? Yes. Right. First John would say, Hey, if you say you're that sin, you're a liar, you deceive yourself. Uh, so we do sin and we're not glorified where we can't reach perfectionism. And yet, mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about this a lot, right? That the cross is the deed, right? Yet the resurrection is the hope. That's our hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and what a beautiful hope to, to one day. And not like this, even yeah. glorification. And, and maybe there's that, uh, my kids watch uh, Disney Plus and there's a, a movie out called Soul. Uh, and maybe Jamie Foxx is one of the voices. And we haven't let them watch it. We're like, oh, you talk about giving him a terrible understanding of the afterlife. Yeah. But we do that. Even things like cartoons or like you die, think of Tom and Jerry, right? Or the coyote in Roadrunner, the anvil falls on his head and he's some spirit that floats on a cloud with a harp. Well, that's praise God. That's not glorification. <laughs> that it is a, our bodies are raised. I think of Christ, uh, right? He, he eats, right? He, I mean, which this is how sweet is this? He walks through a door that's locked. I love that scripture gives that detail, but he walks through a door and says, hey, he eats. He has a physical body. He's not some ghost floating and the food just drops that we have bodies that he's glorified that even in that brief illustration we have of Christ, his body's not bound by space and time, uh, uh, we, you know, to have bodies totally free of sin, to have desires mm-hmm. made new. And just imagine Jonathan Edwards has this great sermon on, on really glorification. You don't hear a lot of sermons on glorification anymore, but even how our desires will be changed, right? Of, mm-hmm. of like, think of joy. Imagine having a new capacity for joy, like a balloon that is always full. So there's no space, right? You're, you're totally satisfied, yet your joy is ever increasing. Always full, yet always increasing. This is glorification. This is the hope that the bodies, if there's ailments, if there's sickness, that you're not just going to get rid of this body, and, but the Lord will raise it up, make it new, that we mm-hmm. will be perfect. We will, as Paul says, bear the image of the man of heaven. Praise God. And so even misconceptions, not just within the church, but in media, we got to be careful with glorifications. You're not an angel with wings, with a harp. Praise God. No, we're going to be raised mm-hmm. with Christ, with our bodies to live with him in eternity. That is glorious. And that's a good hope. And that's what we're called to, to even look forward to. I think so often we just look forward to the next season of life and we think we're going to be satisfied there. Like, oh, if I can finish college or get that secure job, mm-hmm. then it's going to, then it's, then I'm going to be safe. Or if I can get married or whatever it may be, fill in the blank. But really, we're not looking far enough ahead. Right. That's right. Yeah, I think I think the, the, that what a picture of like of hope of that theme of hope throughout all of scripture that the three tenses of salvation are right. That, you know, in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to this hope of Jesus who was to come and die and save them from their sins. And now we live in a season where that hope has come, yet our hope is on that him coming back in that future. And we get to live in that tension, um, and of that, that unsatisfying, uh, reality, which is so good because this world should and will never satisfy us because we're looking forward to the hope 
that is coming for us Amen. on the return of Christ Jesus. Yeah. yeah think of there, there's an old uh, GK Chesterton uh, quote. And uh, obviously those who know GK Chesterton, he wrote some good, he had a book orthodoxy, but later on in life, he uh, <laughs> a little too Catholic for me and not like the good Catholic. <laughs> uh, um, but he had this, this kind of seize the day in, in GK Chesterton referred to it as a carpe diem religion. Like you know, do what you want. That's all there is. This is our hope. And, and he, he uh, Chesterton says, he says, you know, that this carpe diem religion is not that the religion of happy people. It's the religion of very unhappy people. Mm-hmm. And then he says, great joy does not gather the rosebuds while it may, but its eyes are fixed on the eternal rose in which Dante saw. Now he's referring to Dante's Inferno, but there's a beauty there of like, it's not like we just have to frantically, Oh, gather the rosebuds. No, our hope is something better. We hope not for this life. Paul says, if so, we're most to be pitied. Our hope is for what's to come. Even for believers, uh, uh, like delayed gratification. I'm thinking with my kids to teach them delayed gratifications. Believers are a people of delayed gratification. Our hope is not for this life, but what is to come. And if we get the doctrine of glorification, we understand that. That gives us the, the joy and the perseverance. Even thinking of, Riley, you quoted this, the uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was to come is what allowed Christ right, to, to endure. So for us to endure, knowing this isn't it. Uh, what's going to come? My body will be raised with Christ. My sin nature will be a, completely gone. That I will be bear the image of the man of heaven. I will be with Christ. That's the hope. And to understand that as a student, like one day, that, that, that sin that is nagging you, that won't be there anymore. You will be made perfect. That physical ailment, which most students, they're not thinking about their back hurting or, man, you start getting your thirties, man, you sleep wrong. Your neck's like, man, that's kind of, you know, uh, and it only, it gets worse. But one day, praise God, the hope that our bodies will be raised, that we will bear the image of the man of heaven. Praise God. So, uh, well, guys, thanks for coming to first podcast. It was great. Uh, You will come back. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I, I also have. To, I mean, you guys kind of have to. Do, maybe. I, do I have to ride with you here? Uh, you if don't I come back. You, you, you don't have to. Okay. Uh, actually, you know what? Next time, let's not do that. You don't have to do. Sounds that. Sounds good. Uh, but anyway, appreciate it, guys, and uh, we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Light Bears Institute podcast, a production of Light Bears Ministries. For more information, visit lightbears.com. dot